1: Yo, welcome to Unfair, the solo weekend edition with me, Jay, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. You can always find us with our partners at WMQGRadio.com and wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. So please rate us and review us and give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Just give us five anyway and gift it. My solo uh, weekend episodes are always sponsored by my boys at Clutch Culture and Life. There are moments where you are needed the most. Clutch Culture is aspiring to give you just that, with hats and t-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't. Bring that culture to your lifestyle by checking out their website, www.clutch-culture.com. Again, www.clutch-culture.com. Check them out on the gram as well, underscore clutch, underscore culture, underscore All right, what's on today's school lunch menu? I'm going to dive in a little bit on accountability and what's going on with my Buccaneers. Uh, Yeah, my Buccaneers. Um, A conversation with uh, Ball is Life podcaster, Zach Noble, on the status of the NBA right now. And I'm going to give you a frozen five that we pray will redeem us. So stick around. Let's have a blast. And uh, with that, let's dive right in. Woo, what a week. Okay, so I know how I want to start this because it's one of those situations where accountability is tough especially in this country today a lot of people don't want to be wrong um, we're not okay with being wrong we're not okay with accepting that we may have made a mistake and that you know we we should take blame for it we always try to find a way to deflect and that's not just everybody else I mean so we all try to find a reason to do that and I'm a little bothered by how atrociously my Tampa Bay Buccaneers play yes. A Bucks fan. I've been a Bucks fan since the '90s. I mean, back when Hardy Nickerson was our middle linebacker, Eric Rent was our running back. Uh, back in the really bad creamsicle days, uh, actually, the days of was that Steve Young leaving the team. I was. I've always been a uh, Bucks fan. Yeah, I've rooted for losers based my entire life. But at the same time, I'm not as irrational of a sports fan as others. You know what I'm saying? I I fell in love with Tampa because of their defense. Cause I mean, I mean the best re- receiver we really had was Riddell Anthony and Jacquez green. Right. And the days of the Tampa two defense. Heck. I mean, honestly we won a Super Bowl in 02 and I don't even think we really picked up any fans from that besides those in that area. Uh, we're just, you know, kind of afterthought and we've just been at the bottom for years because of it. So anyway, outside of my fandom, trying to get an understanding of why accountability isn't really being placed on everybody like it should i personally blame tom brady for that loss and a lot of people aren't a lot of people are blaming game plans, schemes this is that and the other but when you watch the actual game and the tape tom was making just some bad decisions and it seemed like he was trying to overcompensate for himself by trying to really duel it out with drew Brees, and it just did not work out the way he wanted even going into it ryan clark made a fantastic point and i think that's something that everybody should listen to because it it was what i felt about that game my assessment of them is they're, they're still a team trying to find themselves. They're a team that's still picking up new players. And I think the other part that, that that's starting to worry me is every time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play bad, we crush Bruce Arians and we crush the coaching staff. And coaching staffs are very important. Coaching staffs get the teams ready to play, but you still have to execute. But every time they play well, oh, look at the Tom Brady effect. Look at the way that they rebounded after the Chicago Bears game and were able to go penalty free. That's what Tom Brady does. Oh look at the way that Tom Brady can do this Bill Belichick is missing Tom Brady At some point when number 12 plays bad We're going to have to say you know what number 12 played bad when some point when he doesn't Have a day or when his leadership Can't overcome bad coaching or Bad plays play calling we have To say that number 12 had a bad day That was Ryan Clark from ESPN's On get up um, ESPN's TV show and he, I echo him and for That I give my props to my co-host because he did a similar thing with Lamar Jackson in the loss they took to the Steelers 2 weeks ago. And we were talking about who to blame and everything from that. And I agree with him with Jimmy on the most part for that is that I blame Lamar Jackson as well for that. I saw a deeper issue with them um because it seems like and you can tell talent-wise they were able to they've they've been able to overcome a lot of games. That loss to the Steelers was all on Lamar. Four turnovers. Those two fumbles you cannot do. The pick six is is the, the lead right there. The other one is kind of a punt because it's a deep pass. It happens. But, yeah, you turn the ball over that many times, that's on you. That's not on Scheme. That's, that's on you for that L. And he lucked out that his defense is what helped him. And I, and I explained that I felt like they – Eventually, we're going to run out of plays, it looked like. And it looked like the defense for the Steelers kind of understood what they were going to do. But at the same time, they held the Steelers to 28 points. They should have won the game. They, and they had a chance to win it. So, yeah, I put that on Lamar as well. But in this game versus the Saints, it was 38-3. to three. We got blown out. Like We didn't just lose. We got destroyed. We got demolished. We got everything bad you can say in that game. We we took it. And so, but that is the effect of certain star players. We don't blame them in losses. We blame everything else around them. And then we blame, we give them credit whenever wins and Ws do happen. And we do that with everybody. We've done that with Lamar. We've done that with Brady. We've done that with Deshaun Watson. We've done that with uh, Drew Brees, etc., Russell Wilson. But we have to do a better job of just trying to hold these guys accountable. Like, I'm a big accountability person, and, and, and I'll defend a lot of players, but at the same time, I'll call them out. Like, being a Thunder fan, one person I've always defended and held accountable is Russell Westbrook, because there's always more context to the situation of what's going on on the game. Tom Brady's interceptions were bad. Lamar Jackson's fumbles were bad. Those were on him. Those were on both of those. Those turnovers in those games, if you look at them, you can tell that the quarterback was the cause of all of that. Whenever I criticize like Westbrook, he has his moments where he just goes, you know, batshit crazy and just does stuff. But then you'll see if you go back and watch some of the tape, you'll watch him navigating the offense and everybody's basically hitting him with what I call the LeBron effect and they're just kind of standing around looking waiting for him to make the next move. And it's like, no, 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 make background screens, do this, move here. And nobody does it. Then after dribbling the ball for about 15 seconds, he realizes nobody's going to do anything. And he does it himself. He takes the Thanos effect and says, fine, I'll do it myself. And that's not always a good thing because it always looks bad. Now, like I said, Russ has his moments where he would do those erratic shots and just bad, bad drives that, and, 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 and turnovers that shouldn't be there. But at the same time, you can see the hustle and grind. You can tell that it's not it's not always coming out of malicious state. It's not him being lazy. It's him working too hard sometimes, actually. He needs that second gear. But with Tom Brady and the way that the Bucks are playing, yeah, we praise him when they win. But that Bears game was bad. Both Saints games was bad. And that's something that they can't have happen. And with a division opponent, you can't lose games like that tom is starting to look aged. so this is what i did went back and started looking at some of his november games and i talked about this before that I, that usually end of the years when tom starts to teeter off and over the last five there is a little bit of a pattern now it isn't as steep as i thought it would be he's still putting up numbers now there's probably a lot more context i need to do as far as digging into the game what the situations were why they were passing so much etc because there's a lot of games where he was throwing it 30, 40 times in November, December, and some games he would complete a high percentage and others he was completing 50% and was turning the ball over like crazy. So I'm not sure which it is, but he does look a, it his lowest outputs seem to come around November, December. Like last year, he threw for like 190 yards one touchdown in a win versus Dallas. And he threw about 37 times and only had completed 45% of them. And then he had like five straight games, four straight games, well actually it's five straight games where he completed 55 or less, which is not like Tom Brady, you know what I'm saying? Tom is known for being pretty accurate and this was with the Patriots. We well, never expected it. Then he went into an, another December game and threw 55% and they lost to the Dolphins and that was the last game of the year. Um that's not a Tom Brady-istique type set of games. I'm used to Tom in the 60s and 70s, as he is a career 63% thrower. But he starts to look bad a little bit more, and I think his turnovers even go up at the end of the season. Now, not dramatically, so it's it's a balance. Um, but it, it it just seems like, if you look with the eye test, it feels like he's a different person. at the end of the season. Especially at his age. Now, that's something that should be expected. Tom has never had the strongest arm. Now, he's had a he's got a good arm, but he's never had the strongest, and he doesn't have a country strong arm like a Brett Favre who could probably throw for 60 yards today because, you know, working out in the fields and stuff, that's you build up that natural strength um working in farms and stuff. So, I'd expect a Favre to have that. Tom Suburban guy, not really out there in the fields like that. So I wouldn't expect him to have that strength later on in his career. But at the same time, they started pulling. I saw a report at the beginning of the season. I mentioned this. They've been pulling out routes, the deep outs from him Because he's been throwing pick sixes. I think he threw, what, four in a row, four games in a row? Up, up up, to start this season, like Tom's throwing like something that he doesn't do very often. And when you see that pattern, that should be something of caution. So like Ryan Clark said, in that game, we shouldn't be only blowing up the coaching staff. It can be both. I can give you that. But at the same time, at the level that Tom Brady is, as quote unquote cerebral as he is compared to Lamar Jackson, as people like to say, Tom should have been no matter what the game plan is, he should be able to make adjustments on his own. That was what Peyton Manning did. Peyton Manning was that guy. Tom is that guy as well. He does great adjustments at the line. So why isn't he doing that now? Why isn't it working today? So to me, it's time to start holding people accountable and it's okay for you to do that because there's no shade to him. He had a bad game. And you know what? That's acceptable for a player like him. So I reached out to my guy over at Ball is Life, Zach Noble. Uh, You can check him out on Twitter at Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E. And we chopped it up about the uh, current NBA season. And here we go. Hey, Zach, though, for real, though, man, I really appreciate you joining. I got Zach Noble here from uh, host of the Four Seasons and the Noble and Roosh NBA podcast by Ball is Life on Dash Radio. Thanks, man, for jumping on with me. I really appreciate it. Let's Absolutely. talk, let's, let's kind of talk through some things.
2: Me. Let's get after
1: yeah, yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. All right. So, um, I know, as you know, as a, as a hoops fan and kind of a hoops expert out there in, in the field, we see, we've got an NBA season coming up 72 games, man. So what's your thoughts on it so far?
2: So far, I mean, it seemed like they came to agreement pretty quickly. And, uh, I mean, I'm really excited that everybody, seems on board there wasn't a ton of pushback they just realized how much money was at stake and um there's like no nobody besides i think lebron out there who has a billion dollar empire (laughs) willing to give it up and hey i mean lebron's got a lot of power and pull in this league and more than anybody but he wasn't gonna get overruled on this one
1: yeah you know you're right on that when I was looking at all of it, the first thing that came to my mind was listening to Danny Green talk about, hey, if anybody's going to show up, LeBron's probably not going to come because of the time frame. I'm just yeah. like, dude, I mean, I get everybody's issue with it starting with such a, I guess you could say, a quote unquote short uh, off season. But if you really think about it, you had eight teams that ain't played since March. <laughs> You've got, right. what, uh, 14 teams that ain't played since August. So, technically, most of the league should be well rested. I mean, you have four teams that haven't played since October. So, technically, four okay. teams have a short off season, where the rest of them have enough rest. They should be all right.
2: Good. Let, let them suffer. Let's have a new, new winner, new, new contenders, and let those guys break down and suffer.
1: Hitch, <laughs> yeah, hitch, yeah. So, what you think about this being 72 games, did you want them to push it to 82, or do you think 72 is was, was sufficient?
2: I think it's fine. I think the goal is to get back to 82, and um, I think people are that's, – that's the goal, and that's – I mean, I think that's the only way this happens is if they structure it the way they are coming up. So um, let, let's hope we can get back to a normal season structurally. And uh, the only way I see it switching up in the 72 games um, really changing the future of this league – is the fact um, if ratings like skyrocket and um, like the timing of it, like they really like the seasons basketball is being played where um, I don't know, maybe it's, they, they tack into baseball season more than the NFL um, with, with this structure um, and it doesn't matter as much. Um, so yeah. where before, I mean, the NBA is going at the same time as NFL and maybe they're, Ratings both suffer um, next year because I think this year they just looked at the ratings as kind of a wash. Anybody who took a big big heartache with these ratings, you can say, I think is just loony. I mean, every sport, you name it, took a huge dip, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just called COVID, and we'll just chalk it up to that. But there's concern, absolutely, if this next season the ratings start off as poorly as they did all year
1: no no i get you on that and i I talked about this on on one of my solos uh about how the biggest thing that hurt the nba with their ratings piece is the fact they had games at 130 on a tuesday afternoon like how many of us really can just turn on an nba game and watch it at 130 and then at three o'clock and it'd be okay Mm. for us you know a lot of people the, the standard nba fan even those that are diehards typically have a nine to five so it's not something they're mm-hmm. going to be able to t- tune into. And then, of course, you take out the bars, you take out all of the, the large event areas. That really makes your, your ratings suffer. But overall, looking at the numbers, 1.5 billion is kind of, well, 1.2 billion is a lot, but at the same time, they still pulled eight for the year. That's not too bad right. that they were able to recoup so much being in that bubble.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I just think compared to, Other sports, I mean, I think they're just fine. I'm not, I'm not stressing about it at all, but um, they're still talking about, I mean, expansion a little bit and um, other cities. I know a lot of it has to do with the Raptors, but um, I just think just trying to develop more interest in any, any way, shape or form. And I don't know.
1: Yeah, I thought it was Go interesting it. looking at the Raptors piece where they're they're negotiating with the government to try to find a way to be able to still play in Toronto. But if that's not going to happen, I was hearing between Kansas City and Louisville there's two locations. Young Brand's arena uh-huh. there, and then I guess this what the T Mobile Arena now in in uh, Kansas City. Yeah, you got be, well, to, which one do you think will be better for the Raptors?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I've talked to multiple people and I'm a Kansas City guy. I went to school in Kansas. I lived three and a half years there. That's where my wife's from. Okay. And so I, I, my allegiance is there obviously, but the arena in Louisville is much newer. Uh, It's probably, I don't know, 10 years newer maybe. And I mean, it's an NBA arena state of the art. I mean, they get 20,000 fans every, every game and whatnot, even though the T-Mobile Center is nice. Um, it's weird not calling it the Sprint Center anymore. So <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they do really good on college events there. And the preseason game they have every year for, um, I think, Miami Heat go there quite often. Um, and they, Fans always show up. I, I know both cities fan-wise they would do great, but um, I don't know. I think Louisville with the, the arena has a little bit of an edge.
1: I can dig that. Yeah, I'm about in the same thought process. I think Louisville does have the edge because of the newer arena. Kansas City seems like they should be NBA ready. Like they should be prepared to bring an actual franchise in. And to be honest, oh, yeah. this is kind of that audition type situation, similar to what Oklahoma City did uh, for the Thunder when they had the Hornets here for a few years. Uh, yep. You know, I'm based out of Oklahoma City. So when we had the Hornets in this area, I remember I was in college and uh, leaving college. And and being able to see them play, checked out the internship opportunities and all that to get into the league. And it was like, okay, if the if Oklahoma City has a chance to get a team, this probably proved it for them. And then, of course, eventually the Thunder did show face. So, yeah, definitely makes sense. I'm hoping KC can get that. But you're right. Louisville looks like they may be the winner out of it.
2: Let's be honest, though uh, the T-Mobile Center is probably nicer than Chesapeake. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, been they've done
1: renovations here like three times in Oklahoma City on Chesapeake. Okay. They've been renovated. I think the it's the last renovation was, was, like was 2010. Okay. And they just built a whole new strip over there. Like we got the the Omni yeah. right across the street, which is the luxury hotel the t- the players have been wanting for years. Oh, the area is awesome. a whole new area. To- to To make it uh more appealing, but at the same time, as Oklahoma yeah. City, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not, I'm not silly, I'm not naive about my city at the same time, but I do understand that um uh, players, you know, they like the organization, they, they they take care of these boys here. So okay, with that, um, we've got. I mean, there's a lot of player movement and rumors going on, which is very interesting to me. I think this is my favorite part about the NBA is how much drama Uh they can build and kind of steal some of the NFL's thunder in the news cycle. Like, that's the one thing I appreciate how Adam Silver and them, they're not putting this stuff on Friday nights where it's buried through the whole weekend and we ignore it. It's, It's front and center on a Tuesday and Wednesday with info. So one of the big ones I saw was, James Harden and Russell Westbrook aren't very happy right now in Houston. Um, got a new coach, got a new GM. I'm guessing this past season with no big man in the small ball just wasn't what they were feeling. And, I mean, granted, it makes sense. Do you see either one of those two getting shipped out? And if so, who gets shipped where?
2: Yeah, so Shams just came out and said that Harden for sure is all in in Houston so far. Um, him and Kelly Ico, two guys I – I trust just as much as anybody when they put out a report, uh, which is interesting because, yeah, their first couple of reports before that was saying um, Harden, Russ, I mean, making it sound like they both want it out. And uh, I'm glad Shams clarified that. So basically to me is what it seems. Um, it, it's craziness. It's really, it's really madness how quickly Harden's had to go through stars and My whole thing is, yeah, you can blame Harden all you want, but I personally don't think he's ever had the perfect fit or Mm -hmm. the the talent, enough talent around him to actually have a true contender. Um, Many people will argue with me and say, 2018, they were a real contender. I still think Golden State would have won that, and they—I mean—they were just the talent exceeded the fit. I don't think Chris Paul was ever a great fit for James Harden. Um, Brought in Russ, I mean it's so easy to just try to make this black and white. Oh, it's James Harden's fault. Oh, it's these other guys. fault. no, I personally, if you're going to blame it on one guy, it's Daryl Morey never assembling a team good enough. And it's Mike D'Antoni never being inept to make adjustments in the playoffs and be willing to change the way you need to play um, in the playoffs. And um, yeah, it just, that it, it's pretty simple. If, if you really pay attention and, understand what it what it takes to win a title Um, there's literally I can think of 40 players that would be a better fit uh, than Russell Westbrook and CP than uh, what James Harden and it's just they're out there but you got to make the deal and uh, he was trying to go the biggest and best way and by by namesake and that just wasn't the way to go about it however uh, Russell Westbrook I didn't think he was going to be um, the one necessarily asking out if it unless it was both of them at the same mm-hmm. time, so it made, it made sense at first. Houston was burning to shreds after um, Mike left, and then Daryl Morey. I think Mike needed to leave. I like the coaching higher, so it was weird though. The thing, Daryl Morey, that that whole falling out and the fact that he took another job immediately that's when I knew things were bad in Houston. Um, yeah, but Russell was West, Russell Westbrook, I think. He is a lot more self-aware than people make him out to be. Um, I think he understands in his relationship with Harden. I don't think this has anything to do with the relationship of Harden. I just think he understands what it takes to win because he's been so close in his time in Oklahoma City, and uh, he's been around the league. You have to be an absolute idiot to not understand what it takes to win after going through everything Harden and Westbrook have gone through in their time. So yeah. I think he just understands he's got to play a certain way. And he doesn't think the like the way Houston structured, he just thinks it's best for both parties. Um, I think him and James hash this out. I think they're on great terms and I don't buy anything other than um, Westbrook just wants to be able to play the way he thinks he's best at playing Because he understands, like Houston played the way they played and had a lot of success for only a short stretch, and then they went away from in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they they kind of deviated from from the game plan, you know, because they were trying to to accommodate everybody. When when in all actuality, when it comes to. Going deep into the playoffs, you can't do that. You you, you got to go with what mm-hmm. works and make that work. And to me, the one thing that 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 really just rubbed me wrong about the way they tried to run things was getting rid of your big man, like Clint Capella. Having him was was an asset to Harden the way Harden's game was. Way when he would drive, he'd be prepared to throw the oop because you would have to defend one of the two. And Westbrook just isn't the big man to do that, so you kind of needed to have both of them. And I and I felt like. D'Antoni should have staggered them more, especially with Capella. That would have been the perfect chef's kiss setup because Westbrook also drives and can throw the pass up while Harden does the drive and shoot. Y- you would have had the mixed combination, but I, they they kind of failed him. I don't blame Harden for a lot of it. I do blame Maury like you. I think Daryl was the big issue behind everything because he just didn't assemble the right piece. And this stupid notion of analytics around shooting threes or shooting in the paint. It's, it doesn't work in, the, in, in today's NBA. Now, I get you need more threes to beat a Golden State, yep. but Oklahoma City showed you in 2016 the best way to beat Golden State is to play defense. If you lock them boys well, up, you he, can do it.
2: Yeah, for sure. And the fact is, James Harden's played the way you need to play in the playoffs before. He's done it before yep. under Kevin McHale. They just went – he never – went back to that way when Mike D'Antoni was in charge in the playoffs. So it's like almost like where he he had this guy telling enabling him or not enabling him to be able to play the way you need to play in the playoffs. But at the same time, I mean, your star player's gotta be smart enough and good enough or be strong enough to put his foot down and say, I know I gotta change things on my own. And just fuck the coach. I gotta do what I gotta do. Yep. You know, LeBron. LeBron's not going to listen to anybody. And if you're truly – if you're at that level, if you think you are, then play that way. Do you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And that's exactly the way that Harden's going to have to approach it. But we'll see if he's still in Houston by the time the season starts. To be honest, I, I can totally see him getting sent to Philly because D'Antoni and them really wants him up there. And you may as well. I'd if you're going to blow it up, just go blow it all up. Don't even just – don't collateral damage get just fire everybody (laughs) right let it all go so we got the draft coming up and and that's what one thing i really want to to peg you on you put together a list on a regular basis you've got your top player rankings that you put on your twitter they can definitely follow you um at zach noble z-a-k noble n-o-b-l-e It's it's pretty cool seeing how you go through the rankings and you ask the question at the end, who should be at 57, who should be at 32, etc. So with the NBA draft, I think that this is actually a pretty solid draft this year. I've heard a few people kind of try to knock it and say it's not that good, but I see a lot of not truly transcended or generational talents, but players that could potentially go to that level. What are you thinking about when it comes to this draft? Do you feel like it's up to par um, in the top 20 of drafts all time?
2: Oh, I don't know if I'll, I'll go there. I think uh, a lot of people are just really lazy with this draft, and there's no excuse to be as lazy as people are because <laughs> this has been the most time people have ever had to prepare and learn and understand this draft. That's yep. why I feel like I know it super well. Um uh, But the thing is, it's like, it's not top heavy. Okay. So that's where people get lazy. They say, Oh, their talent at the top sucks. So this draft sucks. No, I think this draft is actually really good overall, like depth wise. I think it's a lot deeper than most drafts just because I think you can get a really good player at 35 or 40 even Mm. um, because I think a lot, everybody's board you're seeing, whether it's um, experts or NBA, Twitter, everybody's all over the place. And usually, there's a lot more similarities between one through 10, 15 through 30, but literally it's just madness this year. And I think a big part of that is the talent, but also just the amount of time people had to prepare. So there people are constantly changing their boards just to change them and talk themselves out of decisions they've made when they actually studied the first go around. So um, that's where I feel pretty confident. It's like, I haven't changed a ton of stuff um, just to change it. Like, I feel like um, I've stayed true. I've made little adjustments here and there, like one spot, but I'm not going to just move somebody 10 spots up because that's who I watched recently. And you'll hear that all the time. And um, But at the same time, you got to understand what GMs are talking about, what NBA Twitter's talking about and, because they are, they do vary quite a bit. Um, at, at the end of the day, so I'm really excited to see how this thing plays out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited about this draft, and I think the depth is pretty deep. There's a lot of shooters in this draft.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing I notice is that we have a lot of players that are built for this era of basketball. The the mm-hmm. this generation of Hoopers is all about um shooting you got to have shooting spacing speed height length <clears throat> uh, you know all that good jazz it seems like that's what we're seeing in this draft so sleeper wise who do you think's your sleeper in this draft so we already know the top ones you got your lamello balls you got your yeah. rj hamptons you've got your wisemans you james wisemans uh you got okungu i mean anthony edwards etc but who do you think is going to be the sleeper that's going to really surprise people when they get drafted
2: yeah, so if you look at, I mean, this is, might be a little bit of a cop out because I, I think GMs and teams actually really like him, but um, NBA Twitter, it's they're like their least favorite guy. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty high on him overall, but Obi Top, and I think he's going to be a, a top of the the draft sleeper. Um, I think he could even fall to like seven through twelve somewhere in there. Okay, um, where a lot of people think he'll go um, top five, even I I have him in my top five. Uh, but I think he's going to be really good immediately. Um, People just, I mean, are disgusted by his defense, and they don't think he'll ever improve on that end of things, where I think he could be a pretty good team defender, Uh, but I think he's just going to be really transcendent offensively right off the bat. Um, Other than that, sleepers, uh, Aaron Neesmith, um, even though he's pretty one-dimensional, Uh, he's, he's a young dude. He's only a sophomore. Um, he's got a great body to him. So I think he's got a lot of upside, but I think he's probably the best shooter in this draft, at least in the top three. Um, Tyrell Terry, I think he could finish in the top five best players of this draft. And I mean, NBA draft nets got him at number 18 in their mock currently. I mean, he's basically a borderline top 10 prospect for me. I got him at number 11, but um, I think he could fall into the twenties, uh, maybe even late twenties, but
0: okay.
2: uh Terrell Terry, I, I truly think he could finish in the top five of this draft when it's all said and done. Um Stanford kid. He's just a lethal. He's a three-level scorer. I I truly believe uh, he's worked on his body harder than anybody over this break, and he's put on like fifteen pounds, which says a lot for a kid that was only one sixty coming out of college. Woo! Uh, yeah, absolutely. Little boy, then, little guy. I mean, I mean, he'll probably uh-huh. bulk up, of sports as, as he ages. But man,
1: 160, 170. Woo! It's a thin guy. That's a thin guy. We'll have uh-huh. to see how he's able to manage on here. I'm looking at ESPNs. They got his comp to Monty Morris or whatnot. So,
2: yeah, that's a that's a weird comp to me. I just think Monty Morris is more of a floor general versus Tyrell Terry I think he's just a uh, dynamic
1: like a Seth Curry a dynamic
2: too yeah uh he's yeah that's that's fair it's closer than Monty Morris that's for sure I think he's got more stuff in him than Seth though I think he's super quick and he's okay. sneaky athletic uh but I just think this guy could I mean could average 20 eventually I mean I think he's got all-star potential I really do it's just he needs – it's all about opportunity. In this draft, more than any draft, it's going to be about fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've noticed that, especially because it's so condensed with it, with it coming with the short offseason, was a late draft. Teams have had longer terms to understand these players and really research them, I guess, film-wise instead of actually interview-wise. But then you've got uh, the short offseason, and teams going to have to figure out how to put together rosters quickly – it's going to be all about, like you said, fit. Fits the most important piece yep. in order to get them to actually want to make that move. And so I was looking at uh, there was a there was a, a, a article going out around uh Draft Express, their team was mentioning about Lamelo Ball potentially being uh of three teams wanting them between the Chicago Bulls, Detroit Pistons, and potentially Oklahoma City Thunder. Them looking to trade up to grab them. Do you see any of them going after him?
2: I think they should. I really do. I think teams like the Bulls and the Knicks, uh, they have all these. Assets. It's funny because those guys are, those teams are both rumored for Russell Westbrook as yep. well. Um, <laughs> so I think if you don't go for Russell, I think you should do everything you can to go um, get this transcending player in LaMelo Ball that if you truly believe he is, uh, because you do have the pieces. A lot of these guys, I mean, have a lot of guys that need to be developed and not the right players around him to develop, not the situation where, for instance, if the Chicago Bulls want LaMelo Ball and they think he has the potential to be the best player out of all the guys they have, I think it'd be absolutely stupid for them to bring him in without getting rid of either Zach Levine or Kobe White. I think there's no way all three of them reach their full potential um, playing for a full season together. I think they all take a major hit, and then you really screw up things foundationally for your team um, and just every everything else. Where I would love to see LaMelo in New York. Um, yeah. I'm also a Timberwolves fan at heart, and I think there's a deal to be had there. I, for the Wolves, I think as long as they're in the top ten, there's literally a deal with anybody they can have. Um, I want to trade the pick. Uh, but at the end of the day, if they're going to draft, I want Anthony Edwards.
1: Yeah, I'd say Minnesota should take advantage of the opportunity to trade down, pick up some additional assets, grow around Karl-Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell. There's no real reason to even blow that up because they just now got it. And, I mean, Cat can be a cornerstone. I don't feel like he really is, but pairing him with Russell, we don't really know yet. So I think it's something that right. we should really get the opportunity to understand and see what it looks like, and bringing in Lamelo Ball is going to do nothing but just cloudy up the entire situation. So yeah, trade down, move around. Uh, my buddy, my coach Jimmy was mentioning he thinks Detroit's the best option. Lamelo Ball is going to sell tickets. He's going to be a draw. Uh, once they get the opportunity yep. to get fans into these arenas, it's going to be it's going to be paramount for them to. Find a way to draw the fans back in, and the way that Detroit yep. has played the last few years, it's it's mediocre at best. It's kind of an embarrassment for what you know Detroit basketball really is known for. Right. So adding a, a Lamelo Ball, which is a borderline transcendent guy, with the Blake with the Blake Griffin, if unless or you trade Blake Griffin and start right. really building around him, I see them. I agree with him. I think that's the best place to go because the problem with chicago that means you got to get rid of either zach levine or kobe white who are you getting rid of you know what i mean like which one of them do you really want to drop right who who you want to drop in order (laughs) to start over but then you're starting over
2: (laughs) yeah you're flipping a coin rolling dice at that point i mean everybody's got a different opinion and when everybody's got a different opinion in the room i mean that's that's a questionable situation. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You want to you want to be you want to be certain that you got your cornerstones and, um, so it, it's tough for a team like Chicago or like a Charlotte Hornets if you want, um, Lamelo Ball. But like the Charlotte Hornets makes so much sense to trade an asset to move up to number one and get James Wiseman. Um, yes. I think that would just make too much sense. But I'm with you in Detroit, Lamelo Ball. In order to reach his full potential, needs to just beat LaMelo Ball and, like, let him free for a year or two and just see if he's actually that dude. Um, Detroit is one place where he's not going to have a combo guard messing with him at all or anybody he needs to share the ball with. Um, then he's got guys like Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown. He's got a couple shooters there around him and whatnot.
1: But he got Graham. Um, but, you got, well, Devontae Graham, you got to kind of figure out how you're going to move him around, In right? Charlotte,
2: yeah. Yeah, so in Charlotte, you'd have to pick between Devonte Graham and Terry Rozier, and I mean, unless Terry Rozier, you want him coming off your bench at 19 million a year, which I Woo! never like that contract. Yeah, uh, he's got a year or two left on that. Um, so why, why just yeah, yeah? Charlotte's a no-brainer on James Wiseman or a Kang Um They just got to make sure they get one of those dudes.
1: So with that, now this, but, is, this is the question for you. Does Golden State keep the number two pick? Like, that's the one thing I've been asking it. is, do they even keep they that pick?
2: It. Yeah, I don't think they should. I think they should be really flexible and lenient with that pick because, I mean, they got to win now. I mean, that's it, it's, it's really unique. Minnesota and Golden State, yeah, they're two different teams for sure. One's a contender and one's contending for the playoffs, but – Minnesota, I'm telling you, they need to win now because Cat and D'Lo aren't patient. They feel like they need to win right now. Um, they're two spoiled kids. I think D'Lo is a lot less patient. I mean, a lot more patient than Cat. Um, I think Cat. I mean, definitely with the loss of his mother, I think that definitely made life a lot shorter in Cat's mind. Uh, it really. I mean, and I don't blame him at all. And so. He see He's gotten a taste of the playoffs. He understands um, what it takes in his mind, but yeah. at the same time, if you're that dude, if you're that dude, then prove it. Be that guy. Take You should be able to take – there's half the league – more than half the league makes the playoffs. And if you're that good of a player, you should be able to have your team in contention for the playoffs at least. Yeah. Um, and if you guys are both really all-star players, that's my mindset on it, no matter who's really around you, but – uh I think Golden State and Minnesota both need to do what they can to trade those picks. Uh, but, I mean, if you end up with a player, hopefully it's somebody you can develop in your next wave. Uh, there's no pressure on them, so they just got to be coherent. There's way more pressure on Minnesota, too, if they draft.
1: but Yeah that's a good point that's a good point yeah i don't, I don't see Golden State stay keeping it either so it's, it's it both of them i see them both trading down getting future assets and and letting other teams un, uh work with these young boys so uh with that zach you, you guys got any you. Uh, cool interviews coming up or anything anything you
2: want to plug yeah um yeah absolutely just had a really good one with uh colin sexton that was a lot of fun one of my favorite player shows i've done um Ron Baker, it was funny, Uh, his NBA and overseas career just came to an end uh, with all of his injuries, but uh, we talked about Anthony Davis embarrassing him. That was pretty hilarious. Uh, He he got into that (laughs) a little bit. Exactly. And then uh, just had Kendrick Nunn on. That was was pretty fun. We'll be releasing that one early next week. I I believe in that kid. I think he's got a really promising future, finishing second in the rookie of the year. And then uh, lastly, LeVar Ball. That
1: was really spicy. Oh, yeah, I'm ready for that. The Nuns, I'm definitely ready for the Nome <laughs> next week. That one's a good one. I, I saw Collins. I listened to Collins as well as uh, Ron Baker, which I always mix him up with Fred Van Fleet because the names don't definitely match the faces when <laughs> you see them. Or Ron Baker and the Red, yeah, that should be vice versa. So, um, yeah, this is Zach Noble at Ball is Life, uh, host of Four Seasons as well as Noble and Roosh. Uh, man, I appreciate you joining me.
2: I really appreciate you having me. Anytime you want me, man. All right, I'll
1: let you know. We'll we'll catch up after the draft since we'll we'll have some definite conversations on figuring out what these teams are going to look like because free agency and the draft will hit basically two days after
2: each other. Damn right, enjoy the madness.
1: Thanks, man.
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla Speed Test Intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit Cox.com Internet for details.
1: All right. Last week was not a good week for us again. Man, I don't even know what's going on. I'm trying to I'm trying to find Whatever it is, I, I don't know. I would like to say that we there is a um silver lining here, but no, we went one and four again, uh actually one yeah th- yeah one and four again uh, last week for Jimmy, so we're gonna go ahead and see if we can redeem ourselves with the frozen five west T- Westgate super contest picks. Let's jump right in. First up. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing against the – in Carolina against the Panthers. The Buccaneers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. And I'm going to do something that I I swear against – i'm going to actually bet on my team this week all right so the buccaneers at minus five and a half is definitely a lock defensively even after that abysmal game against the saints dvoais they're still number two defense they're right behind the saints who moved up and actually they're still number one defense my apologies. so they're playing the panthers in carolina they're coming off an embarrassment on on national television so that's a guaranteed recipe for victory so Tom and him will rebound Give them the dub We'll say 30-20 to 20. Buccaneers cover the 5.5 Next game on the docket We have the Los Angeles Rams Hosting the Seattle Seahawks The Seahawks The Rams are actually 1.5 point favorites And you know what? I'm going to take the Seahawks And this is the reason why it seems like Seattle has always played better on the road. They've been a much better road team over the years for some really odd reason. And defensively, they are very questionable. But they're getting a pro bowler at the defensive line in Hammond. And because of that, this should give them an the opportunity to really wreck shop on the Rams. And Russell Wilson doesn't always come out and have back-to-back bad games. So I'm going to give Russell Wilson the nod on this one. So the Seahawks will go down to L.A., win the divisional game on account of 28 to 24, covering the plus one and a half. Next games, we have the, the Miami Dolphins hosting the L.A. Chargers. The Dolphins are two-point favorites, and I'm going to go ahead and swallow those two points. So – my coach, Jimmy, kind of made mention of how with the neutral site set up in Vegas, it's a four-point swing because of the lack of fans for the most part. And L.A.'s traveling cross-country. Everybody that seems to be traveling cross-country for the most part aren't playing very good football. So I'm going to give this nod to the Dolphins. Tua looks good. There's not much tape on him yet. And the Chargers defensively are sprawling. They're not as good as I was hoping them to be. Their are DVO ranked at, what, 16th, which is just under – Uh, Right in the middle. But the players they had, they should be better. So, I'm going to give the Dolphins this nod. Let the Dolphins run out there. They're going to win this game. Dolphins. 22 to 18. Covering the two points. Next game. We have the Baltimore Ravens traveling up to play against... The New England Patriots, the Ravens, are seven-point favorites on the road, and that is wild to me. So I'm swallowing those points. Look, Bill Belichick has always had an issue with scrambling quarterbacks. He now has a scrambling quarterback that I figured he could leverage to get better knowledge on how to defend them, but at the same time, schematically, they struggle. And Belichick always focuses on taking away every team's best player, their best option, and the one that he typically will go after is going to be Lamar Jackson. Last time he played against Lamar Jackson, what happened? Yeah, they they, they put in work on him. So I'm gonna take the Ravens to run up in there. Clock in on the Patriots with a beautiful score of 30 to 13. Ravens coming at seven easily. Sorry, Cam. Last game. And I don't know why I'm doing this, but it makes so much sense. We have the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are one and a half point dogs, and I'm going to go ahead and take the point. I know Buffalo is playing really good football on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they they have a mediocre defense DVOA wise but they look like a strong defense. Like, it's a half and half setup for them. They have a tendency of... Getting good enough leads so where the defense have to do as much work, but their defense is holding teams down. Um, the loss to the Chiefs and and the Titans were eh, a little questionable, but I think they can contain. They've won last three. They beat the Patriots and the Seahawks, which was an impressive win. This is the perfect letdown spot, but I'm gonna hope that the Bills don't let me down. And I'm saying the Bills gonna actually travel and win this game that I didn't think they were gonna win before. At a score of, oh, God, it's going to be a shootout, 40 to 38 Buffalo wins on a game-winning field goal orchestrated by Josh Allen. So, this week's Frozen 5, we have... The, uh, uh uh-oh, closed it. What what happened, you know? Gotta love how stuff just randomly closes on you. Frozen 5 is going to be the Buccaneers minus 5.5, Seahawks plus 1.5, Dolphins minus 2, Ravens minus 7, and the Buffalo Bills plus 1.5. For some bonus picks, I do have a couple that I was looking at. You can definitely take a gander at the Browns minus 3. Um... I don't know why the Browns are favored in this game. And because I don't know why they're favorite, I think it's the game you should probably look at. The Texans are coming to town and the Texans have been really bad and the line has been moving up. So that's definitely a extra pick to jump on as well as the Bengals plus seven. Yes, it's the Steelers, but boy, Steelers have not been exceptional, and and Big Ben is hurt, so we don't know if he's playing or not. Bengals' defense has not been as bad as you would think that they are. Um, They actually are serviceable, and most of their games, they've been in it. They've been in most of their games within a touchdown. I mean, they beat the Titans. They were within three of the Browns, within six – was that – yes, four – of the Colts. They did get blown out by the Ravens, but they were five within the Browns and five within and three within the Chargers. So that's definitely a good provisionary. Take the Bengals plus seven. Um, seven. They've been doing a really good job of staying in their games. So. Appreciate you joining as usual here on unfair. Please check us out wherever podcasts are downloaded and listen to and uh us and review us Give us five stars you think we deserve it let's give us five anyway and gift it uh make sure you also hit us up on our fan line you can uh you can find us there give us your opinions tell us if you hate mine or if you hate jimmy's i mean it's definitely available for uh <laughs> for your thoughts hit us up there it's 430-901-1906 again 430 430-901-190. 901 six and you may end up on the show one day i think i may actually put out a question for everybody to call in and give us uh their thoughts because i'm kind of curious about people's feelings on sports related and non-sports related things so for mike bob and wendy thank you so much for staying up and helping me out this evening for my coach jimmy we'll have our standard show back next week uh prepare to talk about the nfl and hopefully win some money in fantasy with that we'll chop it up in a couple days peace